Hello, and welcome to Badger Talk with Reed Hansen, the number one source for all things Wisconsin Badger football and basketball, brought to you live right here in the great state of Wisconsin. But first, let's have a word from our sponsors, McDonald's. The McRib is back, baby. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Verizon Wireless. Sign up for a plan now and get six months free Apple Music. Verizon Wireless. Can you hear me now? Kit Kat. Have a break? Have a Kit Kat. And Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Have a breakfast made for champions. Frosted Flakes. They're great. Welcome back to Badger Talk with Reed Hansen. If you joined us last week, you heard the breakdown of the Badger basketball's huge win over 14th ranked Iowa and Iowa City. However, today, we're going to be switching it up a little bit. Today, we're talking about a major issue in college sports. Should college athletes be paid? This topic has caused a lot of uprising in the college sports scene with little sign of slowing down. In today's episode, I'll be providing some stats on the money wrapped up in college athletics, the workload and perks college athletes receive, as well as what they bring to the university. And lastly, I will be providing a plan for paying college athletes. Let's get started here on Badger Talk. Let's dive right into the issue of paying college athletes. $10.8 billion. That's how much the NCAA made off one TV deal. According to Michael Wilbon, an analyst for ESPN, the NCAA signed a $10.8 billion deal with CBS Turner Sports for March Madness from 2011 to 2024. All that is on top of a four-year $500 million deal that the NCAA has made with ESPN for the BCS football series. Altogether, that's $11.3 billion the NCAA rakes in because of their student-athletes. And let's remember, this money is just for playoff basketball and football. It doesn't take into account money made from regular season as well as other sports. NCAA executive Mark Emmert, whose base salary is $1.4 million, tells us, They are not our employees. They don't work for us. They are students, so we don't pay them. If these students aren't working for the NCAA, then who is generating the $11.3 billion and essentially making, paying for the million-dollar salaries of NCAA executives? These students-athletes put an immense amount of time and effort for their respective sports. And what is their reward? Seeing all the money they produce going into the pockets of everyone else besides them. According to Mark Edelman, who specializes in sports law and is a professor at Baruch College in New York City, 50 colleges report annual revenues that exceed $50 million. Meanwhile, five colleges report annual revenues that exceed $100 million. The top 10 revenue-producing colleges now show a $132.5 million discrepancy between revenue and scholarships paid out. So the question is, where does all this extra money go? Oftentimes, it goes towards grossly overpaying coaches, In 40 out of 50 states, the highest paid public employee is a college football coach or a basketball coach. Instead of going towards paying college athletes this money, it is also used for extravagant, unneeded facilities like in the case of Clemson University. Clemson University just spent $55 million on a brand new 142,500 square foot building for the football team. It comes complete with a bowling alley, miniature golf course, Outdoor basketball court, grills, wood-burning fireplace, 30-foot stainless steel side, barbershop, and a wiffle ball field. All of which is so very essential to the success of a football program. There are cases just like this going on at universities across the nation. This money should go a long way in compensating players. I believe a cap should be set for the amount of revenue an athletic department can make and as well as coach salaries. 
The cap should be $40 million for departments with a max of $1 million for coaches' salary per year. People may argue that coaches should be paid on their skills and knowledge of the sport. However, coaches at public universities are public employees and should be compensated as such. All the rest of the excess money should be divided evenly among all student-athletes. Let's pause here for a word from our sponsors. Apple, give the gift of technology this Christmas. With the iPhone XR, starting at $449. Apple, think differently. Welcome back. We just finished discussing the amounts of money involved in college athletics. Now we're going to focus more on student-athletes. I know from personal experience playing baseball for a semester at Viterbo University, your day starts with 6 a.m. weight training, then you head to class, then you have a film study, then you have a 3-4 to four hour practice. Student-athletes can spend up to 7 hours plus a day and 40 plus hours a week on their respective sport, along with being a full-time student. As some may argue, student-athletes are getting their college paid to do that. According to Val Ackerman, Big East Commissioner, and Larry Scott, Pac-12 Commissioner, they receive a lot of lot, they receive cost of attendance benefits, meaning their day-to-day needs such as food, housing, clothing, gas, and trips home are covered. They also get high-quality medical care, academic support, and quality travel experiences, in some cases globally. Ackerman and Scott's point is very true, but only for a very few select schools. In reality, there are very few athletes who receive full-ride scholarships. There are only six sports only at Division One level that can do so. Football, volleyball, gymnastics, tennis, men and women's basketball. All other Division One sports, the coach gets a certain amount of money to split up among their players, which sometimes doesn't very much which sometimes doesn't amount to very much. At the Division Two level, schools must split their scholarship money, allowing very few full ride scholarships, if any at all. Such as in my case as a student athlete, I received eleven or one thousand, not eleven, I wish, as an athletic scholarship but the same, and it was the same for many of my teammates. The Division Three level allows no athletic scholarships to be given out at all. Therefore, scholarships that cover all expenses are very rare. So most of the time, athletes have to pay for their college. It is difficult for college athletes to find employment that can fit into their already packed schedule to come up with this extra money. Therefore, payment of college athletes is needed to reward them for all they do for their universities. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. What if I told you she was an English professor by day and a ping-pong master by night? That a secret life of this professor comes to light and American Hero is born. Tune in to ESPN's 30 for 30, Professor Ping-Pong, Olympic champion, this Friday at 7 p.m. Welcome back, folks. We just discussed the breakdown of scholarships for student-athletes, and now we're jumping into how universities benefit from these student-athletes. Universities benefit greatly from their student-athletes. According to Matt Turner, Chief of Staff of Marshall University, athletics open doors for many majors such as marketing, broadcast, print journalism, athletic training, and sports management. Students would never get the opportunity to do this if it weren't for athletes playing sports. These students gain great experience that can help them obtain the most coveted jobs in their profession. Also, researchers at UCLA found that 40% of students choose their college partly because of its social life. If not for student-athletes putting the time and effort they do, universities could see a drastic drop in enrollment and even struggle to maintain their levels of excellence. The year after Florida Gulf Coast University basketball team shocked the nation by making a surprising run to the Sweet 16 in 2015, 
University President Wilson Bradshaw reported a 35.4% increase in freshman applications. This is more than just a coincidence. Universities must face the fact that they are thriving thanks to the work of student-athletes. Now time for the big question. How is there a way we can economically and effectively pay student-athletes? Let's go back to the major TV deals and amount of money made by athletic departments. Michael Wilbon suggests a possible solution for the $11.3 billion TV deals. What if people in the business of money took $1.3 billion off the top, invested it, sheltered it, and made it available as a stipend to college athletes? Hypothetically, let's say we just invest that 10% of the deal at $1.3 billion in an index fund. Then we decide once that investment reaches a certain amount, we'll take that money out to pay student-athletes. In order to keep money flowing in this account, I say we invest 10% of each deal made. My plan is to focus on playing all the Vision 2 athletes evenly out of that invested money, since their athletic programs don't have near the funding of Division 1 schools. Based on how well the investment pays off, the money could go towards paying college athletes of small, less profitable Division 1 schools. As for Division 1 schools, their athletic departments bring in a lot of money and spend a lot of money on unnecessary things, such as in the case of Clemson, as I stated earlier. So as I mentioned earlier, I believe there should be a cap on athletic department revenues and coaches' salaries, as well as caps on NCAA exec salaries. The excess money should then be invested just as TV, the DV deals and then dispersed to student-athletes. I know there are holes in this plan and that need to be worked out, but it's a start. However, I think that's just what we need, a plan to get things started, and who knows where it could go from there. Thank you for tuning in to Badger Talk. Hopefully today's episode got you thinking about the money discrepancy in college athletics, as well as shed some light on all that being a student-athlete entails. I encourage you to dive more into this topic on your own. Next episode, we'll be back on track with a breakdown of the Badgers' heartbreaking loss to Marquette and a look at how Ethan Happ's game will translate to the NBA. See you next time on Badger Talk, the number one source for all things Wisconsin Badger football and basketball. This is Reed Hansen signing off. As always, go Bucky!